Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of CX Cast. This week's episode is going to answer what is the role of customer emotion and customer experience, and how can employees impact and improve those emotions? I'm Jennifer Wise, joined in studio by co-host Sam Stern. Hi, Hi Sam. Hi, Jenny. We also have with us two analysts from our Customer Experience Index team today. We have Danielle Place, qualitative analyst. Hi. And we're joined by Margaret Rodriguez, a data analyst on our Customer Experience team. Thanks, Jenny. Happy to be here. Let's answer the question of why do we even care about (laughs) emotion? Why does emotion matter when we're thinking about customer experience? That's a great question, Jenny. So this is Margaret uh, Rodriguez jumping in. When we're talking about emotion, it's important to be clear about exactly what we mean when we're referring to emotion in customer experience. So Forrester collects data through the Customer Experience Index on how over 300 brands deliver emotionally resonant experiences to customers. And when we're asking customers to reflect on the quality of that experience, we're asking them to tell us whether it had a positive or emotional spin. And the reason that that is so important is it provides us information that we can use to look at the link between emotion and customer loyalty. So to answer your question, why do we even need to care about emotion? It's because we find that emotion has the strongest influence on customer loyalty relative to other aspects of the experience, things that tend to be more functional, things that relate to customer effort. And I think to add to that, what we've found as we've studied customer experience for many years is that customers actually make emotionally driven decisions and then after the fact append rational benefit reasons to the decisions they made. So in the moment, the emotional motif around the decision they're making is critical. And so that's why we care about emotions. So we see that emotion, you said, if I'm right, Margaret, that emotion is the biggest indicator of customer loyalty? That's right. Um, To paraphrase Maya Angelou, customers don't remember what you said and they don't remember what you did, but they will remember how you make them feel. And in my work with brands with using these customer experience metrics, it's shocking the number of brands who don't track emotion at all. They have no insight into how they make their customers feel. And that's a huge outage for brands as they're thinking about how they can grow the business using customer experience. Yeah, that's interesting. I imagine it's one of the most important drivers, as you're saying, but it's also one of the hardest ones to track and to understand. That's right. Yeah. And emotion is such a fraught word, I think, that, Mm -hmm. you know, we think, oh, you're acting emotional or emotionally responding as if that often has negative connotation or baggage. And we, I think, need our listeners, need our readers to expand how they think about emotions, right? First of all, the idea that a sort of blah, bland, emotional reaction is an emotional reaction. If you don't make me feel particularly strongly emotional, the experience isn't that memorable and Mm -hmm. isn't that great. Now, it's better maybe than it being negatively emotional reaction, but it's still not a very strong reaction. And emotions are not all the ones that we think of in romance novels or whatever, right? There's emotions that inspire confidence and trust, and those are emotions. There's emotions, you know, you can think of the negative ones as being particularly strong, like mad or angry, but sometimes it's disappointed and sometimes it's confused or frustrated. Those are emotions. And those are emotions that I think we've all felt in experiences with the company. What does this letter even mean? What are these words they're using? I'm confused. I'm not confident. I am frustrated. I am wondering what to do. Those are emotional reactions to an experience. And if the whole thing is too seamless and easy, then you might not even (laughs) remember it. (laughs) So you want to make sure there's some emotional tenor going on. So can we speak a little bit more to the role of employees in driving 
emotion. Because often when we think about digital experiences, we think about the interface, right? Yeah. not that human touch point. So I'm curious to hear how the employees play a role here. So more and more brands that we work with go through digital transformations and the budgets behind digital get bigger and bigger. We often get asked whether there is a digital replacement mm. or the employee experience or the experience rather that employees have a hand in delivering. And what we found with the data that we're collecting from customers is that there is currently no replacement for that employee connection. Employees still are the most effective means of engendering that human connection and that emotional connection with customers. And so while we've seen some brands stand out in delivering emotionally resonant experiences digitally, most brands haven't figured that out yet. So unless something dramatic changes in the future as technologies evolve, we need brands today to not discount the role that employees play in delivering those emotions. And then also thinking about how customers talk about their experiences with brands and in their unaided sort of unprompted explanations that they give us after we ask them to tell us in their own words why the rating experience is the way that they do, what I'm often noticing looking at those qualitative responses is that the interaction with the employee, whether that's in person or on the phone, this is often one of the first things that customers point to. So it's really clear that these human interactions are very memorable aspect of the experience. Also in customers explaining that human interaction, they often tend to be a little bit more emotionally charged or intense in terms of the types of words that they're using to describe that experience. So for instance, if an experience dealing with an employee was really positive, we see customers expressing a lot of excitement and gratitude for that person than maybe they would express if the website had simply worked as expected. Mm -hmm. But of course, on the downside as well, the same thing goes there. So the employee experience, because it's so memorable, they are more likely to express a lot of anger or disappointment if, for instance, the employee wasn't knowledgeable or was rude to them, or maybe they just simply didn't show any interest in helping the customer. So the customer is also likely to express that negative feedback about the experience as well. Yeah, so you have this situation where human interactions are more emotionally stimulating. Either there's stronger negative or stronger positive emotions. And there's more variability in a human delivering an interaction than a digital interaction. So that right. there's probably more opportunity for variance in how it's delivered. And as more interactions become digital, the remaining human ones and the emotional sort of imprint that they leave becomes more important because you have fewer of those human-to-human -human opportunities to deliver that more emotionally memorable experience. So it almost puts greater emphasis on the remaining human-to-human -human interactions. All right, so it's become weighted higher when you think right. about the overall sort of emotional response that they're right. having. I'll say I also was really interested in how we looked at the quantitative and qualitative here. So we can see the employee touch point really has a strong impact because both quantitatively, when we look at the drivers, we see that it's higher. But then also qualitatively, do you look at a word cloud or how are you identifying this? Because I'm thinking listeners might be curious to know how mm. can we also begin to think about how people are responding? Well, I think just looking at a number of responses over the years, you know, I spent a ton of time reading through customer verbatims, explaining their experiences. It could just be very clear in terms of that's the thing that's coming up most often. Even when we look at our quantitative data, in terms of those drivers of the customer experience, we can see that digital touch points play a role, but it's often not the first thing that customers are pointing to. That's absolutely right. So Danielle makes a point that in our quantitative data, we look very broadly across what are important levers to pull to provide high quality customer experiences. So even casting the net pretty broadly to include things like pricing or the nature of 
the product that you're receiving. We find that employees in 19 out of the 21 industries that we track actually own the most important lever of customer experience, full stop. So even those interactions to Sam's point that happen less frequently, like a customer service interaction, can make a huge impact on customer perceptions, even if they happen, hopefully, pretty infrequently for most of us. (laughs) Yeah, and I'll add one other point to that. Where maybe the sort of perception or the stereotype around emotions I would come back to and say is accurate is that they are fickle or fleeting or hard to pin down, right? The same customer might have a different emotional response to the same type of experience, Mm -hmm. right? And it's the perception that matters in customer experience. So can a digital interface read and react that different response or Mm. what was designed as the appropriate experience in that interface? As Margaret said, right now with existing technology, not yet. But humans can, especially if they've been trained to do so. And so they can see, you know what, this isn't landing with this customer. I need to take the next step and confirm understanding or offer something else. That's a really important role that employees still must play to say best laid plans for designing and delivering this experience haven't created the right experience for this customer. I need to own this and read their emotions and react and try and figure out what we can do to make it right for them. That's really important because emotions are different for each individual and what makes you feel a certain emotion one time, the next time might might not land that way. And you Mm -hmm. can't count on it to continue to create the same emotional response. That's not how emotions work. They're guided by expectations, guided by what you're anticipating. And so humans are better placed to see that evolution happening almost in real time. I keep thinking of examples, right, where you can Mm. relate to this. And, you know, every time I take a flight, sometimes it's delayed and I'm totally okay with it. Other times (laughs) I'm panicking because I'm going to miss my connecting flight. And so having a person there who can understand the differences of that situation and tailor their response or provide different levels of help is necessary there, right? That's something that a digital interface wouldn't be able to help with. So then thinking about that employee angle, um, Sam, as you mentioned before, there's more variability in how they act, but it's also very important how they act. Yes. So <laughs> what does this mean, this role of emotion and the power that employees have to impact it mean for employees and how do firms think about this? Even though fewer interactions, touch points are owned by employees or delivered by employees, for employees, it's still a lot to think about with emotions. You know, if you're saying every customer you interact with might have a different response to this the way you deliver this experience. And you know you have to think about that across the different activities and touch points you as an individual might own. This is quickly spiraling out of control in terms mm-hmm. of how you manage this. So the obvious question is how would you get a handle on that? And that's where you know we come back to our tried and true technique for customer experience professionals. Map the customer journeys. Look for the key moments of truth, the, the points at which an emotional reaction is more likely or a severe emotional reaction is more common, both positive and negative. And that's the sort of jumping off point for helping employees to start to come back down, narrowing back down to which are the key moments for which customers. What is the likely thing that they're going to say or the likely thing that they're calling about if it's a call center uh, employee that would make it one of these key emotional moments. And you can start to go from a being all of our customers at all of their human interactions to a discrete set that as an employee, I feel more comfortable being on the lookout for and, and, and trying to manage and have a handle on. But then you start to get into some training for employees for how to recognize those situations. So Sam, I think often when you think about the leaders of the business, we also need to be able to demonstrate that emotion has a role in helping companies grow. And when you're talking about something that's perceived as inherently kind of squishy, like emotion, that can be a difficult conversation. One thing 
something that our research has uncovered using the data that we're collecting on customer experience quality is that when you think about the potential growth attached to different emotion strategies, the one that's most commonly adopted by firms where you focus only on fixing the very worst experiences where you get the most screaming employees doesn't necessarily have the highest returns. Yeah, I want to underline this point because this was a huge learning for me in the research working with Margaret and Danielle. I, in my head going into it was, okay, we identify the angry customers, the negative emotion touch points, and we address those first. No, that's incorrect. That is not the way to derive the most business value from this work. So just want to underline that point, but please continue. Absolutely. So just to take an industry as an example to bring this to life, if you think about uh, banks, for example, we looked at the relationship between increasing levels of quality driven by emotionally resonant experiences and customer loyalty to really understand where do you get the largest bang for your buck um, in terms of focusing on emotion. And in that particular industry, you stand to gain far larger levels of customer engagement and loyalty from elevating neutral experiences, taking people who feel ambivalent, who feel nothing about their bank and helping them to feel confident, helping them feel appreciated for the business and the tenure that they've had with that brand. And so in those particular cases, often companies have pretty well-oiled machines to collect metrics and to track the very worst experiences or the loudest complaints, but they often have no way of identifying those customers who may feel neutral. So that's a huge new frontier for brands to think about how they can garner higher levels of loyalty. When we think about this from the customer journey perspective, hey, you touched on earlier, how does this play out? So do you start with mapping the customer's journey and identifying what are the points where they feel emotionally neutral or or negative or positive, and then thinking about which ones you're going to elevate from there. Is that sort of the suggested starting point or is there another method to use? I think that as you're doing the journey mapping work, identifying those quieter moments, so those moments of ambivalence is obviously an important part of those priorities. And then I also think it's very important to tie that back to the strategic imperatives for the business. So when you're thinking about those large initiatives uh, related to CX that you're planning, considering the impact that those initiatives are likely to have on the customer's emotional experience with you including are we doing enough to mm. elevate those neutral experiences mm-hmm. with this shiny new tool we're launching, for example, I think is a real missed opportunity for lots of brands because out of sight, out of mind, they're not even thinking about the opportunity to elevate. Exactly. And this isn't something that employees are typically taught to do. So what this means for firms is that they now need to move into this place where they're not only teaching their employees to fix those negative experiences, but also how can they find ways for their employees to better identify opportunities to make things great? So like Margaret alluded to, fine is not fine when it comes <laughs> to thinking about emotion in CX. It's, it's just not good enough. And so there are some different things that companies can do to help teach their employees to better recognize opportunities to heighten experiences. So whether it's training or giving specific guidance on those behaviors that they should be doing or engaging their employees in exercises that are focused around building empathy or increasing their emotional intelligence and so on, there's a variety of things that brands can do to help move their employees from this place of simply putting out fires and solving problems to a more improved state where they're better able to boost positive emotions in that interaction with customers. Today, the most common response from a company or a CX team to get employees to take more action when customers are having emotions that, that we want to you know, intervene to make them feel differently is a closed loop feedback process after a survey comes in, right? Oh, no, we need to follow up with someone who gave us a six or less if it's a net promoter score. And what Danielle and Margaret are saying is that you should focus on your first set of customers you intervene with is exactly the other set of customers that you weren't 
thinking about the sevens and eights right. or even the nines and tens to try and make them feel even better, but that you should be starting from a different point. First of all, I think that's such a fascinating conversation to involve employees in is permission and time and resources spent on making customers even happier who you did a good job with. Not a great job, but a good job. Wow, this is an opportunity. You've never asked me this question before at most companies. You just asked me to apologize better or to follow up more quickly with upset or irate customers. So to Danielle's point, we're starting them off in a very different place, those employees, than most companies are today. And that's mm-hmm. important. And you will set off on a different path that will come to many different answers once you include employees in that work of figuring out, okay, what else could we do if given time and attention and support to do this to make customers feel even better about these experiences? Right. It's not just fix the problem, but enhance the yeah. experience. Yeah. How do you and, do that? And if, you, and if we say we're not stopping at good enough and we're not taking up so much of the time and energy around customer emotions focusing on negative emotions, suddenly there is time and there is a different conversation that can happen around making positive emotions more positive or uh, more common among customers who are not negative, but not thrilled. Um, I assume that most customer emotions were negative or mm-hmm. you know below the par. In retrospect, it seems so obvious to me that that's not true. You don't remain a customer of a company if you hate them. In most cases, uh, you know, won't mention <laughs> yeah. any uh, local cable or cable internet company, providers. Right? Yeah. <laughs> In most cases, if you're a customer of a company, it's not a house on fire. It's okay. Maybe mm-hmm. you're not thrilled, but you're fine. So as a starting point, it doesn't make sense for companies to start with negative emotions because most of their customers feel some sort of positive emotion. That was a huge learning for me. So I want to remember that I had to learn that in this research. Yeah. So Sam, you make a really good point, which is that businesses couldn't stay solvent if they (laughs) are routinely teeing off a lot of their customers (laughs) and interactions. So I think that that's something that we've coached brands to look for in their own organizations. And from an operational standpoint, sometimes it can be easier to make your problem resolution processes and teams bigger. Look Mm. for those close to negative experiences and try to help them improve working with the capabilities you already have in place. So I think that where I've seen brands, I think, really latch on to this and help adopt this work kind of runs the gamut from starting with the basics. What's a natural little key off from what we are currently working on that's incremental for us. I think that there are only a handful of brands that I've seen really work effectively to empower their employees to be able to have the right level of freedom to be able to address customer needs and look for unique opportunities to elevate the experience. And much of that comes through, I think, in Danielle's qualitative research as well. There are brands that have the right systems in place, a mass customization, if you will, to provide employees with a really emotionally resonant experience. Some examples we see come from hotel where if there's a particular location that is near a national park, for instance, Mm. the employee is equipped and knows that the customer probably is getting up too early and they're going to miss breakfast because they're on their way out to the park for the day. So giving those employees the ability to provide a bagged lunch is something that's repeatable and easy for the employee to carry out. But for the customer, it feels really special. And it's one of those signature moments that almost feels like it's a surprise. It feels unplanned, but it's an easy way for the employee to really boost that emotion and that experience. Yeah, I love that example from the quality of insights, because it is the type of thing that, you know, if this is the 10th Hampton Inn you've stayed at, it's a total surprise that when they do something that you didn't get at any of the others, but they are tailoring it to the likely contextual needs of the customer at that particular 
hotel location. That's a great example of how to, even for a large chain like that, tailor the experience based on the context of the user. We've talked about how important motion is, the role of employees, how you can begin to look at customer journey maps. Are there any other practical advice or training tips or anything that companies should take back to their employees to get started with this? We know from our work with brands that often tackling the question of emotion at all can feel overwhelming and scary. This isn't something you learn in business school. So thinking about that, I think some of the first steps, baby steps almost that you can take towards emotion relate towards identifying just a few moments where you can have a true impact. And often that requires thinking about what are those interactions we have with employees where we're not going to interact with them again for a while. And we touch on this, I think, in more detail in some of the other pieces of research. But I think that being able to isolate those moments where the employee interaction is going to sit with the customer for a long time Mm. and have a big impact on his or her future actions to the brand is a really good opportunity for brands to quickly show that there is a business gain to be had by focusing on tailoring those emotional experiences. Thank you for the insight. Thank you for joining us today. We'll include a link to the report that this references, which is how firms help employees evoke emotions that deepen customer loyalty. Thank you for listening. Glad you could join us for this week's episode of CX Cast. If you want to learn more about this week's topic, check out the notes section of the episode for some links to relevant research. And as always, you can email us at cxcast at forrester.com with any questions or topic ideas for future episodes. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. Talk to you next week on CX Cast.